Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking how to stop sabotaging your progress. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 68 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the fabulous behavior specialist, Boss Blasi, aka Nicole. And today we are going to talk about what self-sabotaging behavior actually is, some of the reasons why we do it, some examples of how we do it, and some solutions to help you along your fitness journey. So Nicole, let's dive into this by, I want to start with what exactly is self-sabotaging behavior? I mean, basically it's just when you destroy your ability to make progress. Sometimes it's conscious and you know that you're doing it. Sometimes it's unconscious and you don't know you're doing it. And the whole idea of trying to kind of hammer out why it might be happening, what triggers might be causing it. And what's the best way to go about handling those types of situations? We all have a a small amount of self-sabotaging behavior in some aspects of our life. No one really is exempt from it happening. But I find from a weight loss standpoint or with clients from a health and wellness standpoint that it seems to be really rampant. It's almost like people know they can do or they know they can create the success they want with the goals that they're setting. But there's always something in the way from a mindset perspective that always either halts or stops the process. Well, it's kind of like Nicole and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you have those clients that are consciously telling themselves like I can do this, I can get through this process, but then subconsciously there's this disbelief in Mm -hmm. the process and that either they don't trust the process will work or Mm -hmm. they, and we've talked about this on other episodes, you know, trusting the process and not trusting that the process will work. So therefore you don't do it or your ability, like whether that be conscious or subconscious, your ability to perform these tasks on a regular basis. And also looking at your vision for yourself Mm -hmm. and being able to really see yourself there, I think is a crucial step in essentially not sabotaging your progress. And we talk about it from a behavior standpoint, you know, when it comes to choosing and putting together meals or making choices to work out, if the behavior that you're choosing is wreaking havoc on the ability to achieve the goal, then we know that you're never going to be able to achieve the goal. So it, it really is behavior driven, but the deeper part is things that you might be avoiding, emotions, fear, failure, all of the things you kind of just briefly started to mention. Nicole, let's talk about why we do some of these things and why we sabotage our own progress, either intentionally or unintentionally. The biggest one that I think I see is protecting ourselves from either pain of failure, not feeling good enough to achieve the goal. Like like you said, someone comes in and says, I want to lose 20 20, 20 pounds, 20 pounds. (laughs) And in their mind, they think it could be possible, 
but they're not really 100% confident that it actually could be possible. That's not because they can't lose 20 pounds. That's because they're not confident and secure in the fact that they can make the changes in their lifestyle and those behaviors that will actually allot them to lose 20 pounds. So it's not the 20 pound goal. Well, I would argue this, that it's not even just the pain of that. It's also the pain of having to change those habits and having to wake up early in the morning and get a workout in, having to stay on track with your meals. Like all of those things are things that our bodies kind of resist and our brains resist, right? So there's a physiological and a psychological reason Mm -hmm. as to why our brains don't want us to work hard. They want us to sit around. There's this kind of like inherent thing within each of us that's like, well, you could just sit around, preserve energy, and mm. you know, not move around a bunch. And, and, that's easier. And, and, and that's the easy thing. So there is a level of resistance that mm. naturally, I think, is inherent in all of us. Yeah. Okay. And we try to avoid the change because the change is harder. It's more difficult. It's more of a stressful situation. And our body yeah. doesn't want that stressful situation. And it will try to fight that at any cost. And you're almost kind of going against nature here. Yeah. I also feel like it's it's this the change in behaviors. Like I have clients that will say, I'll say, okay, we want to start with increasing your protein. And we go through what that looks like and how they're going to do it. And they say, okay, how long do I have to do this for? And I said, well, this is a behavior change. So this, this is like a from now on. So we're going to do it nice and slow and nice and steady. And this is, this is how we're going to create your food plan or your new lifestyle to achieve this new goal of 20 pound weight loss or building muscle, whatever the goal is. And there's this resistance is kind of a good word. This resistance to this now having to be a behavior that has to continue. It's not like a short term thing. Like if you start eating more protein and you become successful and you achieve the goal, this is now something that you have to live. This is why we call it lifestyle change and not short-term quick fix. And I feel like the hard part from self-sabotaging behavior is that in the beginning, it sounds exciting and it's fun and, you know, yeah, we can do it for a short period of time. But the long-term part of this in terms of it being a habit or a behavior that changes over this being something that changes over time is that you actually have to stick to it. So fear of getting started and doing it maybe really well and then slowly failing at it or pulling back, not being as motivated to do it. There's a a deep-seated fear there. So people just go, well, I probably won't be able to do that long-term anyway. So forget it. And I won't even get started. And they sabotage the ability for that small goal that they do over a period of time that will evolve into a bigger change. They just destroy it right at the beginning and, and you make a decision that it's not going to work. So they won't, they won't stick to it. And I think Nicole, that kind of leads me into another part of why we self-sabotage is negative versus positive self-dialogue. Absolutely. Right. So if I'm telling myself, I, there's no way I can do this, that's going to be reinforced. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times we don't really realize what's going on inside of our brain, what's going on physiologically, right? I always like to go back to, well, how are your behaviors affecting you physiologically? Or how are your thoughts affecting you physiologically? And what's happening is every time that you tell yourself you can't do something, you're reinforcing a neural network that will continue to consistently agree with that. Yeah. 
And what we have to start really doing is shifting that mindset because I always say, I say this all the time is your progress, it starts in the mind and then it goes to other places. So if you're not right in the mind and you're not in the right state of mind to be able to tell yourself positively every single day, and it takes practice. I'm not expecting this to happen overnight, but you have to start to learn to kind of give yourself that love, give yourself that push that you need and say, well, I can do this. Why wouldn't I be able to do this? Mm -hmm. And then over time of you telling yourself over and over and over again, I am capable. I am worthy. Mm -hmm. I am deserving of this. And I can absolutely do this. And you can really and truly envision yourself doing this. That's where the magic happens. When your mindset shifts, then your habits and your behaviors and therefore your body changes and all of the positive things that you want. Things that are uncomfortable, uncomfortable feelings, uncomfortable emotions, uncomfortable changes in our schedule. They're uncomfortable at the beginning for a reason because they're kind of shaking us out of these ritualistic habits that they don't, those ritualistic habits that you're currently doing aren't serving you. You want to lose 20 pounds and it's kind of an old habit pathway thought. All those old critical thinking, dialoguing, that's what you're sitting in. And thinking that you're going to be making these new changes in your life. And if you continue to believe those things or do those things, you're basically using old habits and thoughts to try and create a new change. And you can't do that. You really have to change the way you think about it so that that thought then becomes a different behavior, a different action, and a different dialogue. And that's how you create the habit and behavior change. So definitely starts in your brain. Like if I get up and the morning and I tell myself, this is so hard. I really don't want to go work out. Oh my God, I can't do this. Why am I trying this? It's never going to work. Forget it. You're done right there. Well, they, they call it like a mantra, right? Like if you yeah. wake up and you have like a morning mantra mm-hmm. and it sounds kind of corny and cheesy, but it really works. And I'll give an example of this from my own personal experience has been since I started Eat Right Nutrition, There are days where I'm like, I don't want to wake up and roll out of bed and get to work. But I always tell myself, well, what's the alternative? Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if that's really kind of a negative way of looking at it because I look at the alternative and I'm like, well, fuck, no, I don't want to do that. No, it's a good way to motivate yourself. But the the alternative is, well, if I don't want to do this, then I have to go get a job. Then I got to go work for somebody. Then I got to go listen to somebody. And I don't want to do that. So (laughs) I, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it because I'd rather be doing this than that. I'd rather be living the life of my dreams and working towards that than never knowing what it would be like if like, you know, if I didn't even try. Yeah, mine, mine are really, really simple, like epically simple. And I've said this to myself probably since I was in my 20s. Eat real food, Nicole. Get up and go to the kitchen and eat real food. Like I really want to just drink a protein shake, which not that that's not real food, but when I'm at home, I really want to make good choices. I have all the food in the refrigerator. I have food prepped. Like I've done all this work and I still sometimes just want to make it an easy choice. It's easier to just pour the shake, shake it in a bottle and drink it. And it's mindless. And so I lived by that mantra, eat real food. It's time to eat real food. So chicken, vegetables, good, healthy fats, water, like go get that first. And if you're still hungry after eating those choices, making that choice, and you want something sweet, a piece of chocolate, 
sometimes I crave fruit or, or an apple or blueberries or grapes or whatever, then I can have my portion controlled part of my sweet, but I have to have real food first. I think the other one, Nicole, is um, don't die with your goals. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's one that I say, that's my favorite one. Because mm-hmm. if I'm lying in my deathbed and I look back on my life, if I didn't try, then I didn't achieve. Yeah. And that goes for, you know, fat loss goals too, but it also, you know, obviously career goals, life goals, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Don't die with your goals. Nicole, I, well, I want to get into, because we talked about the voice in your head, basically, mm-hmm. and what the voice in your head is telling you. And then we also have the critical voices outside of our head. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we tend to self-sabotage when we hear, when we believe something already, kind of consciously or subconsciously, when we already believe that we're incapable of doing something, and then the outside world kind mm-hmm. of reinforces that mm-hmm. and, and puts that back in your head. Like you're trying and you're like super motivated, like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this. I'm going to crush this goal. And then somebody comes along and says, you really think you're capable of doing that? Yeah. Even and, if you are being successful doing it. And you eat that up. And it's because you're not in a place yet where you're secure Mm-hmm. with your abilities and your capabilities. And that is one of the toughest things to do is you have to block out the noise. You have to do a couple of things here. You have to a make sure that you're surrounding yourself with. And mm-hmm. we always talk about this. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with individuals that are going to be uplifting. And if they're not uplifting, you need to block out those voices because those voices creeping into your head when you're already in this kind of fragile state. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you. It's not going to benefit you. So your circle is very, very important in terms of self-sabotaging behavior, because what's going to happen is person A is going to come up and be like, you can't do that shit. And you're going to believe it. And then you're just going to sabotage everything. And you're going to say, you know what? They're right. I can't yeah. do it. And that to me is very unfair. But mm-hmm. it's the reality that people don't that you just have to believe in yourself. And once you believe in yourself and people see you actually doing, then people are going to be like, oh, whoa, they're actually doing. So prove them wrong. I have a lot of clients that have people in their life that do say like, oh, do you really think you can, You oh, you get 10 pounds off. You really think you can do 10 more? I'm like, you've already gotten 10 pounds off. What in the world makes you think you can't do more? You've gotten this far. And second, a lot of the times people that say that to you are the people that don't think they can do it. So they dump that kind of on you or project they're that on you. They're self-reflecting. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with it. And I always tell clients, put your blinders on. Like your your focus should be solely on the things that you need to do. Now, don't listen to anyone. I mean, my goodness, if I listened to everybody that told me I couldn't do half of the things I've done in my life, I'd be no, like I would have gotten nowhere. And I'm just a, a bit of a fighter. And it kind of does for me. Like I was thinking about this myself. I'm kind of like what you just said, like if someone tells me I can't do something, I will just quietly step back and just be like, okay, just you just wait, you know, it's watch me do it. And and I've I've talked about this, that when I was a kid and I wanted to play football and the kids used to be like, well, you're a runt. You're like the little skinny kid and there's no way you could do that. And I believe them and I never played football. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. I still would have liked to do it. But then I found bodybuilding and there was a shift that I wanted it so bad 
And people are like, you can't do that. That's a pipe dream. And guess what? I did it. You know, it's they they discredit everything that they're they're going to hate regardless of if you do it or not. So right. you might as well just do it and have them hate on your success rather than yes. hate on you and say, see, I told you you couldn't do it. Keep in mind that self-sabotaging behavior also happens when it creates or wreaks havoc in our life. That could be with our relationships. It could be with our health. It can be with family dynamic. It can be with your work. Like our primary foods kind of get tied into that. So if you start listening to what everybody else says, it bleeds into so much more of so much more of what you think you can't do. It's not just your health and wellness goal, wellness goals. It goes into so much more. So you really have to put your blinders on and put your head down it's not just about believing that you can do it. You deserve to achieve this goal. And unless you really and truly authentically believe that you deserve that, it's going to be a struggle to create the behaviors that are going to lead you to that goal. And perfectionism is the next one that I wanted to kind of bring up in terms of self-sabotaging behavior, because this is an epic one when it comes to getting on the scale and doing weigh-ins. Well, I think you're by trying to be perfect, you're sabotaging yourself to begin with. Of course, but this is it, because you're setting you're set, you're setting an unrealistic expectation. expectation. Ugh, it's brutal. And when you kind of loosen up the reins and say, "Hey, the process isn't going to be perfect. I'm going to fumble along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm it's I'm going to eat things that aren't necessarily in the parameters that I set for myself." And that's and where I, where I get into another one that we have here, Nicole, is the the, the chicken little syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> where where it's like, oh, my God, the sky is falling because mm -hmm. you fell off track one day or one week. I mean, listen, fruit loss challenge. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. I lost six pounds, then I gained three back. Mm -hmm. Am I crying about it? No, I'm getting right back on track that following week and I'm doing what I need to do. I know what happened. I was stressed out and I ate slightly more calories. Mm -hmm. But I also looked at and you're, Nicole, you're talking about the scale. I also yeah. looked at the scale and I said, OK, well, you're up in muscle mass and your body fat's the same. So I'm like, I have no complaints with that. And I'm not expecting the scale to go down every single week. It's like you're saying, it's it's not going to be perfect. And it's the, the system isn't perfect. Your macros aren't going to be perfect. Your life isn't going to be perfect. Somebody's going to throw you a curveball. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, like I said, with that chicken little syndrome, that the sky is falling just because one thing happens. Yeah. Well, I find that dismissing the small improvements week to week is what makes it hard for people. Like they think, okay, this is just little progress, but it's really not doing anything major. So I guess I'd rather just stop because it's not as fast as I want. If it's 0.5% body fat or 0.5 pounds or, or nothing changes on the scale or it went up, but you got extra workouts in and you drank more water, whatever the, the, the up the you know the pro and con of the week is if it's not perfectly the way you envision it to go then that little progress gets dismissed and if you just kind of hold it down for yourself and accept that it's still little progress you actually will accomplish the goal probably faster if you just go okay it well it was small progress but it still was progress i'm going to keep going so the perfectionist stuff the same thing with like food logs and journaling i can't tell you how many clients come in and go well I logged everything in, but I went out to eat and I went to dinner and I have no idea what they cooked it in. I have no many, I have no idea how many ounces of protein, but I ballparked it. And I'm like, okay, great. You, you wrote it down. You held yourself accountable. Like it doesn't well, have to be flip, perfect. And then the flip side to that is the, 
I didn't log everything in because I ate out and I bought this at the deli and then I mm-hmm. went out to dinner here and I didn't log it in because it wouldn't I didn't. Be I, it, yeah, it wouldn't be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that is like, I'm like, I don't care if it's yeah. perfect. I just want to see it there. And I want to be able to see what you're doing, what progress you're making. I just want you to be conscious of what you're eating. We'll worry yeah. about the kind of nitty gritty of that stuff later on. But you right now, you're that's a habit is just logging and being yeah. aware of what you're eating. Yeah. And and it's like I've said this on many of our other podcasts. It's a learning experience when you journal and you get so anxious about what you think you're destroying for the week. It actually isn't even anything that was really that bad. And my clients are like, wow, I actually even stayed within my (laughs) I stayed within my calories and I thought it would be so much worse. And I'm like, this is the reason why we do it is to show you. I want you to see that what you think is so damaging isn't and that you don't have to dismiss it or Or, on the flip side, mm -hmm. what you think is not damaging I get this. I'll use sushi as an example. When people go out and they eat these sushi rolls that are loaded with spicy mayo and whatever, and then they're surprised Mm -hmm. that they're like, I can't believe I had over 100 grams of carbs with this meal, or I can't believe that I had a thousand calories in this one meal. And I'm like, well, but now you're conscious. Yeah. Right. So logging, whatever it is, it's a learning opportunity, whether it's going to be in a favorable way where you're like, oh, well, this isn't that bad. I can continue to do this. Or in a quote unquote kind of unfavorable way where you're just like, all right, I now learned that I shouldn't do this when I'm eating out at a sushi restaurant. Maybe I can make some adjustments or Mm -hmm. if I'm only eating out and grabbing sushi every other week, then it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things because I'm still in a weekly or monthly deficit. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole piece to perfectionists mentality that I've, I just really, I, I don't know. It makes, it makes me feel really sad for clients when they think that this is the only way that it can happen. And they kind of white knuckle, like hold on so tight to it having to be this way. And I'm like, if you just let go and enjoy, enjoy the, the process. process. Yeah. Yeah. And like learn and make mistakes and figure it out and go, okay, this is not what I need to do next time. I have to make a change then you forever create those small improvements over time. And before you know it, you now have created your own meal plan and how to put meals together and have learned what really works. That now becomes it's you're like a pro for your own body. You know, when you go out for sushi, this is what you're going to order. And, you know, if you go out for sushi and you want to have the things that may be the not the most optimal, you're comfortable doing that because you've worked it into your weekly plan for calories. Like there's there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. And Nicole, let's get into the next one. The comfort eating in which that to me is really just an example of you're unable to effectively manage your emotions and then mm-hmm. you rely on food to cope with stress, anger, yeah. sadness, boredom, loneliness or any negative emotion or even a positive emotion that might yeah. trigger you to eat certain foods. So, you know, that to me is you need to tackle the emotions and you know what you're doing with those emotions. Emotions are a huge part of cravings and I call them celebratory sadness or celebratory happiness or celebratory loneliness, like whatever it is that you're feeling. The food is what makes you feel better. It numbs the feeling. 
it takes away the pain of that feeling. And so it makes it much easier to just default to feeding and pushing down that feeling as opposed to maybe getting a notebook out and writing down what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, what triggered the feeling, like like what brought you to that point, and what are the solutions? What other things can you do to deal with whatever emotion is that you're feeling? Like I come home at night and I've had a long day and I'm feeling super stressed and I really just want to have three glasses of wine and just call it a night. And I don't really want to think about or talk about the reason why I want to have the wine. Am I upset? Am I lonely? Am I stressed from something that I thought I should have done different throughout the day? Whatever it is that is kind of triggering the behavior. If if there's not you know, something that you can do other than reaching for the comfort food or drinking the alcohol or whatever it is, it's very easy to fall into that repetitive poor habit or behavior and just continue to get stuck. And then, Nicole, we have like not being aware of what you're doing to begin with. So like, where does that fall in? Not being aware of what you're doing. I think the unconscious self-sabotaging behavior is really deep seated in a lot of pain. You don't even know what you're feeling. You really don't know how to deal with it or where it's coming from. Maybe it's a, a lot of things that have been piling up over time when you haven't been managing your stress or really haven't been taking care of yourself from a sleep standpoint. And that gets snowballed into more of a numbing type aspect. Like it's not even what. that you're not aware. You're completely numb to anything that you're that's going on. I'll tell you what, if I'm not sleeping, I'm sabotaging my, my everything. That's like, I know, <laughs> I know that yeah. that's a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a trigger for a lot of people. When I take on too much and I don't have a mental break for myself, that's when I sabotage. Like, I'm just like, I don't have time. I, that's when I'm like, that's when I find myself in the kitchen going, Nicole, eat real food. Like, it may have been a long day and you saw 10 clients back to back and you're exhausted, but you still have to eat real food and you have to hold it down for yourself. But you Let's also go. feel good when you're like, I've had 10 clients back to back. I had, I really accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. work-wise today. And then I also was able to stay on track and you're like, yeah. oh man, I'm such a high performer, right? It's a good feeling <laughs> yeah. when at the end of the day, you stayed on track. The uh, the yeah. flip side of that is if you sabotage things, you're just going to be feeling the same shitty way you've always been feeling. Mm-hmm. I so- think it's hard though, to talk yourself out of it. Like when you talk about not being aware, I do believe that some people don't have that kind of pause before they make the decision. Like, I'm not well, kidding when I I'm going to say I'm going I'm oh, to cut ahead. you off there because I'm going to say you're talking about talking yourself out of that. And I think that there's one thing that I know is that when you start questioning and you start to having that dialogue back and forth, well, mm-hmm. should I eat this? Should I do that? Should I not do it? Should I work out today? Should I not work out today? Mm-hmm. Once you start having that conversation, the longer you're having that dialogue in the head, in your head, the more likely you are to lose that battle. Yeah. So you need to kind of nip that in the butt and not even have that dialogue to begin with and make it. And this is some of the dialogue that I have when I'm coaching is you need to make certain things non-negotiables. Yeah. No matter what goes on, I have to do this and I have to do it on if it's workouts, I have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if I'm working out three days a week, I need to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I need to get in my workouts or if I'm working out Monday through Friday, I have to do it. It's a non-negotiable. Yeah, that's the take action solution is that you you have to just 
physically show up. Even if you think I'm not like we talked about this before in other podcasts, you go to the gym and you stand there for a few minutes when you walk up, like I walk up the stairs or get onto the fitness floor and I just stand there for a minute. (laughs) Someone walks over to talk to you and they're like, Hey, what's up? What are you working on today? And I'm like, I'm just here. I'm going to take a few minutes to just be here. I'm going to foam roll a little. I'm going to see what I feel like. And the minute you start talking to someone, you foam roll, you start laughing, you forget about what you were thinking about. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. Let's crush this workout. I'm ready. It's changing your state of mind and just showing up there actually is the first step in terms of action that will help that happen. You do something once you're there, even if it's that it's not the whole planned workout that you have, but you do something. And I think that's a big step in creating solutions. But going back to being in the kitchen and stopping yourself and having that dialogue or the kitchen or wherever you're driving home from work and you're like, should I stop and get something on the go or should I go home and eat what I have planned or find something to cook? Those are the moments where I really do believe there are some people that have a really hard time taking a breath and slowing their mental stress down enough to go, why am I, why am I like feeling this way? What's going on? I need, I know I can do this. I can make a better choice. I don't want to just throw it all away. I do believe that that's a practice in itself is really giving yourself the opportunity to be like, take a breath. I'm stressed. I don't want to do this, but what can I do? Like, what's the second option? What's the plan B? Because when you know your triggers, which is another solution to stop this type of sabotaging behavior is you have to know what they are before you can have a dialogue to create action and take a, and make a different plan. So if you don't know what they are, then that's step one. So I do feel like that's something you have to really slow down and try and figure out. And sometimes that's in a coaching session with my clients. And this is why I love coaching so much. Someone will come into a session and be like, Nicole, oh my God, I don't know why I did this. I just, I really didn't have it in me to make dinner last night. And I I had Chinese takeout and I feel so guilty about doing it. Part of the coaching process is talking through the trigger. Well, what happened in your day that made you feel this way? What were you feeling? What was so overwhelming about coming home that night that made you feel like dinner was just too much of a, a, a burden to take on? And you talk those points through and you work with our clients to try and figure out what is it that you can do different? How can you manage that stress better? How can you plan ahead? Maybe have dinner set aside for the nights that you have longer days. I do that now with my 10 hour days of clients. I make sure I have three different options in the refrigerator for food. I have to have three. I'm a female. I like options. I want to be able to look and be like, do I want chicken? Do I want to have a yogurt and you know something simple? Or do I really want to actually cook something that I had planned to cook for the week and tonight I feel like I want to do it. You really have to work through those and those small steps of success in terms of hammering out those issues in a coaching session is what helps you to develop that practice every time so that the next time that happens, you know better and you do better. All right. So since Nicole just kind of jumped to solutions here, we're just going to continue down that route. I think a lot of the things that you need, obviously, Nicole, like you're saying, is you need to be aware of the behaviors. You need to be aware of where they're coming from and what's driving your decision making. And I think one of the useful tools that we've used for that is in my fitness pal, you've, mm-hmm. you, you know, we have our clients on my fitness pal in my fitness pal, you've got an option to put in food notes. And sometimes when people yeah. eat certain things, I ask them to keep a emotional journal as well, or a stress journal and kind of just put put down the things like, I was feeling this way. I had a rough day because X, Y, and Z. I got in a fight with my boss and then I came home and I ate 
you know, chips and cheese doodles or whatever I had. <laughs> right. And you know, I, I got to say, I haven't had a cheese doodle. Cheese in, doodle. I know that. that's yeah. a random one. Where did since, that like, come from? since like middle school, I think. <laughs> but uh, you want to be able to track your triggers and you want to be able to say, OK, like what is causing me to have this self-sabotaging behavior? I think other than that, and we've kind of talked about this already in terms of the solutions to your self-sabotaging behavior is you have to be nice to yourself. You have to practice being nice to yourself and you have to have positive self-dialogue and you need yeah. to repetitions. That's a habit too. Mm -hmm. speaking to yourself in a negative way is a bad habit. Speaking to yourself in a positive way is a good habit. So mm -hmm. you need to think that your thoughts are also habits, just like your behaviors on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Just like you're logging in your food journal, you're getting inconsistent workouts, you're eating adequate protein, you're eating adequate vegetables, you're drinking enough water, you're getting your steps in. Mm -hmm. All of those things are habits, but also the way that you talk to yourself is also a habit. Oh, the psychological stuff, the things going on inside of your head, mm -hmm. how you deal with stress is also a habit. So when we start looking at life through this lens of, okay, well, how do I improve my habits? And we stop thinking about the big picture and we just go down to micro and we think, okay, well, this is just a series of habits and I just need to tackle one right now. Mm -hmm. And when you become okay with just tackling that one habit, even if it takes you a month to tackle that, and then you layer the next habit on top of that and so on and so forth, that's when you're going to be successful. And Nicole, I think oftentimes when people are unsuccessful, it's because they're not thinking micro. And, and when they're, when they're self-sabotaging themselves, they're thinking macro and yeah. they're thinking this task is way too big and well, everything falls apart when you think that way. Yeah. And then the big piece to that too, this is another part of self-sabotaging behavior is you have to have control of the situation. So if things are big and you feel like it's out of control and you really feel like you, you can't manage all of this stuff at once, then we tend to sabotage. Well, if I, it goes, it falls under the practice procrastination and perfectionist and then control. You need to be able to do everything perfect. And if it's not perfect, it's out of control. And then you sabotage. If it's too many tasks, too many habits at one at once that you're trying to practice and you feel like you can't have control of every single one of them, you know, like chasing chickens in a yard, you try and grabbing them all at once. You can't do that. You have to do one at a time, focus on that one, attack it, grab it and move on. If you don't feel like you have control of that, that out of control feeling then spirals into so many more things. Restrictive behavior is another piece to that. If you don't feel like you have control, then we start to over restrict some of the things that we eat different times that we, I can only exercise in the morning. That's the only way I can get it done. And if I just make myself do it at that time, I have to force myself to do it. Okay. Well then if you miss a morning workout, and it's not perfect and you throw it out the window and you don't give yourself some flexibility to do it later on in the day, then you don't get a workout in and it becomes too restrictive of uh, uh, a plan. So I like to have a little bit of, of flexibility in that as well. So flexibility in your plan is also, you know, one of the solutions. And this is where we get into the whole concept of flexible dieting, which I like to go through with individuals where I'm like, allow yourself some flexibility. It's okay to be flexible with your plan within reason, obviously, within the parameters that you set for yourself. And if it is okay for you to be flexible with your plan, then it won't be the end of the world. Like we said, that chicken little thing, it won't be the end of the world and the sky isn't going to be falling when you are 
having something or doing something that's a little bit off the road because you've allowed yourself to do that. And I think that that is a very important concept in terms of, you know, solutions to not self-sabotaging yourself. Yeah. I mean, one of the very simple ways to self-sabotaging to stop self-sabotaging behavior is to develop self-supporting behavior with your coach or with your partner or just writing it down in a notebook yourself. So part of that is just kind of flipping the script and being like, okay, these are the things that I'm doing that is not getting me where I want to be. I'm not showing up for my workouts. I'm being too restrictive. If I don't get my workout in the morning, it's not happening at all. I'm not giving myself a second, a plan B to get it in later in the day. Or if I go to the grocery store, I'm only giving myself 30 minutes instead of giving myself a full hour so I can take my time and you know, not feel like I'm rushed. All these little things that, that over time sabotage the progress that we want to make. So you want to develop self-supporting behaviors, scheduling in your grocery, giving yourself enough time to go, maybe planning it during a time of day that it's not really busy. So you can go in and out and not feel like you're waiting in line and getting frustrated. And I don't know, some people need a little bit more flexibility there maybe finding a time that you go to the gym that maybe it is busy so that you see people and you have a community and people ask you what you're doing and you feel supported. All of these things in terms of developing self-supporting behavior really depends on the person. Who are you? What type of support do you need? What type of tasks do you need to accomplish to feel like those behaviors support the goal? And all of that type of stuff is stuff we hammer out in our coaching programs to try and help people figure this out. It's sometimes really hard to see outside of your bubble. You know, this is the most fun part of coaching for me because I had someone help me do it through well, my whole life. It's funny that you say like seeing outside of the bubble. I, I, one of the things I say all the time is it, you're, you need to think outside of the box mm -hmm. and thinking inside of the box is what got you to where you are now. So right. unless you start thinking outside of that box in terms of what strategies you can use, you're nothing's going to change. Yeah. In the box is what you've been doing already. And that's clearly not working for you. So with that being said, one of the biggest take homes for me in this is be kind to yourself and continuously tell yourself, I am doing it. I will continue to do it and I can continue to do it. And I think that it all starts in the mind. And if you want to stop that vicious cycle of starting the process and then sabotaging the process and then starting it again and sabotaging it again, you need to start with your mindset. You need to know what your triggers are. You need a plan of action against those triggers. You need to take action. You need to take small steps and make small habit changes and layer them on top of each other over a longer period of time. And you need to get perfect out of your mind and be flexible with yourself. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.